Welcome to the Surviving Society housing series. The right to a safe home should be a multi-class issue that we can build solidarities from. From the cladding scandal, Grenfell and a lack of affordable housing, this series will feature experts, academics and activists to educate us on how the state and corporate organisations have continued to thwart collective unities on these matters. Executively produced by Georgia Fori Addo and Dan Rennick. Welcome to another episode of the Housing Series, our special series we've put together to focus on the multi-class, multi-racial, multi-ethnic, British, massive issue when it comes to housing in the UK. This is something that Tiso and I have spoken about for the last few years on the show. It's something that many activists, scholars have been talking about for decades and decades. We are in a society where we don't tend to care about where people are living we try to sort of push people to one side with regards to housing and we saw this as an issue inspired by a lot of the work from activists at Grenfell particularly Jandan Rennick that we could possibly mobilize and create themes around and with regards to future episodes to help educate people more on the continuation of sort of inequality within housing didn't we too yeah given that we are what the fifth sixth richest country in the world i don't think people associate poor housing as something as an issue here yeah they associate with some either the past the victorian Mm -hmm. past or another country Mm -hmm. a developing country or the global south it's something they don't consider happens in the uk Definitely. And today we're really excited to be joined by Kwejo Twena Boa, who is a housing activist. This doesn't negate to any of the work you're doing, but it almost kind of uplifts it. But you are a young man, like you are an absolute legend and you have taken (laughs) on social housing like in London in a big way. But you're also a student at DMU studying Mm -hmm. business studies or studying business. Yeah. Yeah, as I said before, you've taken on social housing, in particular you took on clarion yes I did. um and now sort of we're going to get into how you got into into this really important work but just for the listeners to know like you continue to do housing activism by by exposing some of the sheer disregard Mm -hmm. and for people's lives with regards to council housing social housing across the uk now so Mm -hmm. people send you messages with images and stories about what's happened to them is that Mm -hmm. that's correct isn't it yes yeah honestly like when we when we saw kajo's work we were just completely blown away weren't we because it's consistent but also like you're really shining a light on this Mm. stuff personally if you come from a a place like that and you you, you've lived in it Mm. you can understand it and then you you kind of you you kind of empathize more Mm -hmm. you want to kind of talk about it more Mm -hmm. when people who don't understand who have no idea of it even if you say it to them Mm. you still can't convey how bad it is Mm -hmm. that's completely true t and just to remind the listeners or people that haven't maybe heard us talk about um housing on the show before what i try not to do is fetishize what we're talking about mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, it's become all too common to people to rap about it to talk about mm-hmm. it and it becomes cliche mm. yeah but this is people's lives man living that, i know i know it's, it's, i know it becomes cliche but the, but most people listen to this i've got no experience yeah, with so, housing so you're tower hamlets tower hamlets and it's i don't know i i would say amongst us here it's just standard council mm-hmm. slash housing association stock right mm-hmm. it's a stock that's been there since whenever what 50s, 60s, some of it. And so you associate with uh, bad sanitation, mm. infestation by various types of insects, mm. cockroaches to rats, mm. damp, bacteria. What most of us in this room have encountered, 
I'm 44 this year, right? Most of my friends have lived in similar situations that I grew up with. Now, it's different now. Everyone's moved on. There might be homeowners, but this is where we started, right? Mm. So you're still familiar, T. I'm not as familiar with what's occurring now. So I lived in council housing when I was when I was much younger, and I moved out of council housing by the time I was eight. So I haven't lived in council housing since 1999, maybe. So my experience was in Lower Clapton and then the Medway towns in Strood. So that's sort of where we're coming from when we're talking about mm. this stuff. So I. I almost want to make sure that I'm paying attention even more because I feel mm. like I need this. It, I think it's consistent, as you say, T, but things have changed and there's possibly less power for tenants than mm. there were, was before. But, Kwejo, talk to us. Tell us how you got into this. So, Start from the beginning. Yes, so from the very beginning, for example, this time last year, I was living in disrepair. Um, For example, my, I currently, this time last year, didn't have a living room ceiling. Right, just for the listeners, mm. what is disrepair? So disrepair is, in easy terms, when your your house is falling apart, basically, um, when you're living in conditions you shouldn't be having to live in. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone pays rent. Mm-hmm. Social housing tenants do pay rent, and in mm-hmm. some cases, um, quite a lot of rent um, to live in accommodation. But it's a lot of the accommodation, like we mentioned earlier, is old stock and not up to scratch at all um in some cases it's been described or been said that not even animals should be living in some of these 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 homes just due to how bad and unsafe it is for for tenants to live in mm-hmm. um yeah so i was living in disrepair i had mo- loads of different issues so um, ceiling was down in the lounge ceiling was down cockroaches mice wood lice flies didn't have a bathroom so i was showering at the gym there was my light, my bathroom light was filled with water, for example. Back doors were broken. The list honestly, honestly goes on. You wouldn't believe mold, damp. It was just, I mean, no one should have been living there. And the fact that people are still, and we were still expected um, to pay rent, it got to a point where I'd just been ignored um, for way too long by Clarion. That's when it really sort of kicked off I just had enough one day I had enough calling them up I had enough being ignored had enough of them promising they would come out and then not show up at all and I just said to myself I don't know what more I can do and that's when I turned to social media in it so you you created a thread didn't you on twitter i did yeah all the of all the different issues with images yeah so that was the first thread i had created was in my house um and that was literally about half an hour after i had a conversation and the person i'd spoken to at clarion had turned around and said they're busy and put the phone down on me (laughs) um and i said what more can i do at that point I, i thought to myself I've had enough calling them up because clearly that doesn't work. Speaking to them, trying to negotiate in any way or try and get this sorted. What more can I do? And I I, I just thought, do you know what? I've got my Twitter platform. Mm-hmm. Just share it. I mean, what's the worst that people are going to do? Cuss the house that you're living in, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was humiliating in the beginning. Like when I did it, I thought to myself, should I have done that? Have I made a mistake? Within 15 minutes, I'd say it started being shared i remember seeing it yeah i remember seeing it yeah Yeah. even talking about now like the hairs are standing up yeah Yeah. it was nuts but that's mad though right because there is a stigma Mm. attached to poverty right Mm. because that's what Mm. essentially what you might not be materially poor but that's Mm. what your the image that it casts out there Mm. so you're right to feel that stigma because that Mm. stigma does exist Mm. so what so it's taking you to put yourself out there to get Mm. a response Mm. and you're not guaranteed to get the response that you think you might get. Mm. It's just it just so happened it went the way 
you wanted it to go, yeah? Yeah, it did. I think um, that was my first sort of taste. And social housing wasn't really being spoken about back then. Um, I think um, ITV, who I'll talk about in a bit, mm-hmm. um, they had done a few stories on social housing, but before then, no- I hadn't seen nothing else mm-hmm. um, of that like this sort of scale. And um, I shared it not really knowing what to, to expect, but everyone, I didn't have one negative comment on there in regards to the condition of my house. People were shocked that the largest housing association in Europe was allowing people to live in these conditions. Not only that, I was getting people also responding to me saying, hold on a second, I'm living with these sorts of issues in my property too. And it's run by the same housing association. And a lot of people in social housing, even if you go to an estate, and I've been to many estates in the last six months and spoken to people, even their neighbours, people just keep themselves to themselves. They don't have conversations. They don't talk to each other. They don't so the conversation of what your home is like inside is not going to come up people i think people are very proud i was i didn't want to go to social media but it's not until social housing tenants start talking and you start discussing these things that you realize hold on this is a bigger issue than i originally thought and that even happened with me i knew it was a bigger issue on my estate because of how run down it was visibly from the outside so that's why i then thought to myself hold on yeah Go around and speak that's what it says like, so that images book yeah. the entire stigma yeah that stigma prevents people from talking right? yes it you're does embarrassed it does. right yeah no one wants to talk about how they're living in damp yeah or they have in your home yeah it's like, no, it's like you would even get embarrassed to say you haven't even got broadband now mm. because that's seen as standard right mm. so you're not going to talk if you've got damp or you've mm. got no hot water because mm. it seems like you can't take care of yourself you can't keep a house mm. so people just don't talk about it. and it allows uh housing associations and councils to kind of talk about that kind of neglect mm. And I guess um, Kwejo's point and then your point there, Tiso, is one of the reasons why this series is so important to us because this is something, housing is something yeah. we can all get behind and mobilise mm. around, as you said. Mm. Like, if people start talking, if people got similarities, you've got class solidarity there. But it's a basic human right, right? Yeah. The right to how decent housing. housing. And right? safe housing. It's yeah. a safe housing and mm. safe and secure housing. So this has been something that's been historically thought about, especially in the UK. Yeah about having property and property rights are enshrined it's part of like the backbone of any western liberal mm. democracy mm. they enshrine property rights but it comes down to the question of for whom mm. this is also always a question for whom mm. so the, the people with money they're good right mm. but it's when it comes to property rights for everyone else mm. this well, is the problem i think we've seen obviously as we, we spoke about in the beginning of the episode like this is housing has been an issue for decades and decades um hundreds of years in Britain, like particularly like in relation to the working class, in relation to poverty. Issue for decades, but Mm. a key, key point, a key time that we should talk about is 2010, when the bastard coalition government come into power and begin austerity. They bring in the bedroom tax. Like as in they voted against landlords making sure that people that their properties were uh, what, safe secure. safe secure yeah. and obviously this is like that's slightly different from social housing because it's um private rented housing but it all kind of coalesces mm. around like the right to a safe home the right to being treated with dignity mm. and this is something i think that has exacerbated obviously people like yeah imogen we spoke about before have written about this extensively but if we see over the last 12 years there has been a has been a systemic campaign to remove housing from the agenda mm. in a way that meaningfully engages in poverty and kind of hide it basically mm. and you're able to do that because of guys what you were talking about in terms of the stigma i was looking at some of the stats i think in 2017 or 18 i think 17,000 over 17,000 people died from poor housing 
it being too cold or too hot. Now, in 2022, in the UK, that sounds mad, right? That's something mm. you associate with the global south, or how, how the global south perceives, sorry. And like, like I said, your story sounds crazy, right? Mm. You're living in conditions like that. Mm. Mm. I mean, in, in talking, touching upon that too, I think it would be interesting to find out, and this is what I've thought of recently too, um, the impact on mental health. I mean, because I've spoken to majority of the residents that I've spoken to, even myself, I mean, right in the beginning, I mean, my dad had just passed away at that point. Then we, the disrepair just went from zero to, well, not zero, there was disrepair there, but it went from like 50 to 100. And I was on medication, I was on antidepressants, um, anti-anxiety, you name it, I was on as a result of both that and disrepair in the house too. And I've come across, and I've spoken to other tenants that they say the same, like even on my estate, I was going around and people saying, oh yeah, I'm on antidepressants or they're sending me um, pictures of the disrepair in their house and saying, I was never on antidepressants before, but since all of this kicked off, I've been so stressed out. I'm now on medication, um, PTSD, you name it. The, the impact is is on mental health is something not talked about too. And it is devastating. I mean, but that's what I was going to say to you. I was going to mm. say, on a day-to-day basis, mm. how did you navigate the disrepair in your house? Because even though you know it's there, mm. You just live still, right? You're still living there. Yeah. So, for example, like um, when you've got damp, you just put more clothes on. Yeah. So how did yeah. you like? How did you just navigate how you was living on a day to day basis? So in terms of showering, for example, yeah, I just yeah. go to the gym, and that just became the the norm because I I mean I couldn't in my house. Um, in terms of the kitchen facilities, I mean cupboards were falling off walls and everything. I mean the cupboards were so old, I kid you not, I've still got pictures in my phone. I'm sure you've seen them, mm. but they were built in the 1930s and they were moved from another property into the property that I'm in um, now. So they're nearly 100 years old. And I mean, they were infested with wood. Like, I couldn't store anything in there. So I was eating, a lot of it was takeaway and spending out on money, which I, I mean, as a student, you just don't have. Mm. Um, I was, it. you just, you, you find a way to, to sort of exist around mm. it. I mean, a lot of people that I've spoken to prefer to spend more time at work. And that's what I found myself too in two. Instead of leaving work, I worked in a school. Instead of leaving work at 4 p.m., I'd stay there and leave at eight or nine or when the caretaker left mm-hmm. and he usually left at about 10. And a lot of people have said that um, that I've spoken to that they would drive around after work, that they, if they're in their house, they'll just get in the car just to avoid being in the situation which they have to be in. And I mean, during lockdown too, people I think take, take for granted um, housing. Yeah. and lockdown and a lot of people saying oh oh let's go back into a lockdown and whatnot but fail to realize that there's people living outside of situations that you are you might be comfortable in your housing but people are living in tower blocks that don't have gardens living amongst disrepair and forced <laughs> to stay in there and a lot of them are kids and a lot of them are vulnerable a lot of them are terminally ill um the most vulnerable people within the uk are in social housing and it's some of the worst i can only describe it as slum conditions and i just think it's completely immoral that's the only way I can describe it it's unjustifiable because when you speak to these senior members that work for councils um, government officials or housing associations and you speak to them and you show them and you show them a presentation or your tweets of what people are living with and then you turn around and ask them would you live in there it's an automatic no we wouldn't it's unacceptable but then when it comes to discussing social social housing tenants and someone of a different class it then becomes debatable and that's sort of why I'm doing what it is that I'm doing because if you wouldn't live in there, no one else should be living in there. And it doesn't, you can't then start having a conversation when it's not aimed at you, if that makes sense. And that's what frustrates me the most because no one, we've agreed that no one should be living in this. So the question is now, how do we fix it? 
That's a mic drop. That's a mic drop. 100%, 100%. That's a serious, <laughs> it's, it's true, serious man. lyrics there. It's important. It's just, yeah. And this comes back to some of the really important themes that we talk about on the show in terms of how much Britain hates the working class and hates poor people. Mm. Like, people will get them, tie themselves into knots, stand in, in a TV studio, telling the general public why some people deserve to live in shit. And but, it is a comp- it is disgusting. Is, it is consistent. But this doesn't say, just what I say, it comes down to the argument... Who deserving it and undeserving? Mm. This is the it's it's a it's a classic nineteenth century argument, right? So they would argue the classic argument would be like, if your housing is bad, you need to work harder. Mm. You need to work hard to mm. work yourself out of that. Mm. But that's not how it should be. There's a basic mm. universal standard that we all agree on. Like mm. you said, the argument is, if you wouldn't live there, why why would you expect me to live mm. there? Mm. But they, oh no, but they would say I've worked hard. Exactly, mm. I've worked hard. Exactly, and then so it would turn upon the argument. And you say, well. I, I might have four jobs. I might be working for jobs, mm. but they pay minimum wage. Doesn't mean I don't work as hard as mm. you. And this is the thing. It becomes that kind of two and three argument. Also, fuck work. Like mm. you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to work your ass off mm. to to live in humane conditions. Like, mm. but this is so it's so consistent. I think, like I said, like in it, I think it's harder for them to maintain that argument in a place like the UK, where after the World War. After 1945, we agreed of universal standards of living, right? Mm. A, a, a welfare state. Mm. That this system should provide for the most marginalised. Mm-hmm. In places like in America, it's harder to argue. Mm. But over here, we can have that debate mm. because we've agreed that we no one should be left behind. Mm. There should be a basic minimum requirement. But... Did that begin to get unravelled in that during nineteen seventy nine to nineteen ninety yeah, to, to, to now? To yeah, now. yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like, there's, there's no denying that, right? Mm. So, what do we do? Like, it's taking the young man to kind of put himself out. Not just yourself, mm. your family, man. Mm. Like, it's a different generation now. Yeah. How would your mum feel mm. putting? Because an older generation feel a way about putting their house, their very house, about putting mm. where they live on the internet mm. like how did your mum feel about that well it was it was my sister so I was there with my um, dad who passed away I mean he mm. was living in those conditions and my sisters so mm. just sorry just for the listeners to be clear yeah. with the story could you just say a little bit about what yes, was happening yeah so, it's okay. so right in the very beginning my dad while I was still at uni I think I was in second year yeah. or first year coming to the end of first year um, he was diagnosed with stage one esophageal cancer mm-hmm. um, which is in your throat area yeah. Um and he he was living in in that house and we thought oh i mean he would get better he would be completely fine stage one i remember telling people oh um when they when i tell them oh my dad has cancer and they'll be like they're, they're like oh i'm really really sorry but mm-hmm. then i'd be like oh no it's fine like i mean stage one he's gonna get yeah, better yeah, yeah. it then pro- progressively got worse um it was stage three then and quickly then moved on to stage sure. four within the space of a year and then in January, so it's nearly two years now, January the 21st, 2020, he passed away. Um, but he was at home. He you was were looking after him. Yes, yeah, things, me and yeah. my sisters. And he was receiving, um, for example, when you have esophageal cancer and it gets to that stage, you cannot eat, mm-hmm. you cannot drink water, you're fed through a tube in your stomach. So he was receiving medical treatment. So people were coming to the house three, three times a day to feed him nourishments through his stomach. Mm-hmm. However, he was living in those conditions, cockroaches, mice, damp, mould, um, asbestos, you name it. And that, there's multiple reasons why I do this and I continue fighting for other people in similar situations. 
And that is one of those reasons, one of the personal reasons for me that I don't, I talk about, but I don't, I'm happy talking about, but I don't often talk about is that because that's something, although I might go on to do all of this work and whatnot, that's something that will now stick with me for the rest of my life. Um, and that's something I'll always think back on and remember is that he had to sort of live in, in those conditions. And that was the, the very beginning. Then he passed away and it all started kicking off with housing and them ignoring me um, mentally, like I said, I was all over the place. And I just got to the point where I said, you know what, enough is enough. I've had enough. Um, and- Can I give you a hug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, Ruby, man. Yeah, but you know what? It's hard, it's not. It's not just me. There's loads of people I living, know, know. living like that. And that's why I think- people need in the in that in that situation we was kind of we were dealing with it the i mean my dad was the priority the disrepair wasn't so we was having to sort of deal with it and a lot of people are like that a lot of people are fighting other in social housing other battles uh in these conditions and can't make social housing a priority there's a lot of people that are ill in social housing even on my estate alone so it's not seen as a priority that's why they need people supporting them whether you live in social housing or not they need you as support in order to keep the conversation going and get change for them because it's like I say, completely inhumane, and it 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 does all cli- like sounds cliche and whatnot, but it, it genuinely, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it. It ruins people's lives. But this is why, like, not everyone can do this work, and mm. we we talk about this a lot on the show. But people like you, Kajo, that are able to take their lived experience of inequality and see and make a movement out of it, mm. and make it bigger than yourself mm. that is this you're is special it's mm. special your dad would be proud man yeah really big yeah it's, it's, it's really it's really big and we don't like we try to be nuanced with this kind of work on the show in terms of like we need people like you mm. but we also know that the people that you're supporting they can't mm. all be you what no. you're doing mm. but the thing that when we were in our pre-chat and mm. talking about i think why i had to just give you a hug then is i mm. said to you who's looking after you mm. Like, who's making sure you're okay? Mm. And this is what I mean. Like, we have to, within our movement, um, Mm. within our broad coalitions of people that are trying to create, like, class mobilisation, create solidarity and just make life more livable for the most marginalised, we have to be so kind to each other, I think, and Mm. we centre love in how we... Mm approach you know do you know what i mean because quite quickly when you're doing this work it becomes more like well what are you doing it for what are you Mm. doing and it's like it's bigger than me Mm. it's bigger than that yeah i I, I think so especially in my case i mean it would have been easy and i remember sitting there thinking when the first when the piece came out about my house and i thought i sat there and i thought i could if i wanted to just sit here get my house done up and then happy days like i'm i'm i I have my house sorted but i know my neighbors i know other people in my estate are having to live with this and i wouldn't feel comfortable sitting here and i think that's something that more people need to like think beyond yourself Mm -hmm. and think about someone else that may be in a worse off condition you need to sort of but you see this is the madness right Mm -hmm. and this is how the system works Mm -hmm. what you said Mm -hmm. is exceptional Mm -hmm. most people will do the thing because it's so much pressure you mm. the relief mm. the relief to get an answer mm. after all that time trying mm. once you get it done you're thinking yes i've done mm. it mm. job done and mm. that's where you think because it's so much work to get mm. your flat done mm. so imagine multiply that by what mm. hundreds mm. on your estate mm. thousands mm. for your local area mm. hundreds of thousands for the uk mm. that much pressure people think no no that's, that's too much mm. but the fact that you what you've done there it's exceptional mm. man 
under those circumstances yeah in the context of what's happening around you in your own mm. personal life bro like listen it's mm. powerful man yeah no thank you i think um i was just i was just like if i can if i can i've got the ladder i could just pull it up behind me but i I didn't want to mm. and for example I know I've grown up with people on that estate I know people on that estate they've known my dad for example they know my dad from back in Ghana mm. and they're living on um these estates one one lady for example in that ITV piece um that dropped on Eastfield's estate she had been suffering for about 27 years so longer than I had been alive and I actually worked with her in the school across the road and um I'd see her every day not knowing that she lived in that sort of those sorts of conditions and it was i mean i'll be honest some of the worst um i think anyone's ever so you didn't you didn't know that she was living no i mean we had had conversations at school that she also had disrepair Um, Mm -hmm. she knew that i had disrepair but she would like she would she would cook jollof rice for us and after Mm -hmm. our dad passed away and whatnot um she'd make us food like every week and and bring it around knowing that our we didn't have kitchen facilities and whatnot um but she was also living in those sorts of conditions and there was loads of people on the majority of the state living with disrepair and I was just like I could have pulled up the ladder behind me if I wanted to but I didn't that that was that was the point I couldn't sit there knowing that other people are living like that and going through and children too children being brought up in these conditions because like I said it ruins lives 27 years she would I mean she won't she won't get that 27 years back that's a huge chunk of someone's life to be dealing with disrepair and suffering um like that and kids kids that can't bring their friends around for example because they're embarrassed of the conditions they're having um to live in and can't grow up in a in a normal environment that kids should um i was just like it's there's more i, I could see there was more i could do so so what i was gonna say so when you're calling up and you're speaking to clarion yeah so so just for the uh, listeners clarion's the housing association mm. that ran yes your estate yeah what were the kind of hurdles that you encountered? What types of bureaucracy? Yeah, I was going to say, what kind of bureaucratic neglect did you kind of encounter? So um, there were just, I mean, just basic disrespect. I mean, on the phone, hanging up on you. Um, when you you're when you phone up, even getting through is, you feel lucky once you've even got through to them because you're on hold for so long. Mm. But then you speak to them and... George's face. Yeah. George is just sat there yeah. in the corner, like, yeah. just getting yeah. raging. Yeah. Sorry, I know on. a lot yeah. of people will be able to relate to that, not just yeah. with Carrie, yeah. but other housing associations. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just phoning them up and being sat on the phone for... I remember in my workplace, actually, I had my own like sort of office and I was there and I had Clarion on hold on my work phone ringing them for like over an hour sometimes and you just couldn't get through to them but when you did it was a thing where you was explaining the issue and they will say say now we're in January I've got this issue my ceiling's fallen down um, and I need it sort of I need it repaired as an emergency yeah we're going to repair it for you in May or we'll repair it for you in September and it's like it's just not good enough I mean and that's even if they show up to repair it, because a lot of the time, the day comes, you take time off of work, they say they're going to show up at eight o'clock, or they don't show up at all, or they say they're going to show up at one and end up showing up at 9am in the morning mm. um, and ringing your doorbell, you can't hear it, you're asleep or whatnot. Um, or they just don't show up for multiple, they say they schedule in appointments, and then you phone up on the day and find out nothing's actually been scheduled in. And that's the only sort of port of contact for them. Since since it kicked off on my estate, that's changed. We've got someone on that estate now that you can complain to. But Clarion are the biggest housing association in Europe. And there's multiple estates across the country that don't have these facilities. Um, so a lot of tenants... At Clarion, yeah. Yeah. Clarion. <laughs> a lot of tenants are still <laughs> suffering with, with this. Yeah, it's the madnesses, right? So 
when I first moved into my estate, mm. it, we used to have a, an estate manager. I remember mm. him. He was an old white dude called Mr. Doyle. Mm. Big beard looked like Father Christmas. <laughs> but as time went on, mm. and that they, they, they used to have the estate, then they had changed the guy, then, mm. they, then they started making times. Mm. There's certain times you can see them. Mm. Then all of a sudden, he just disappeared, and they were cool. Mm. So at my mum's house association, you have mm. the same kind, of, same kind of thing. You ring them up, mm. they might come. They If they do come, and sometimes when they do come, they do a shit job. Mm. Oh. And 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 you and you and the thing is, you can see them doing a shit job. Mm. And I and I'll say to them like, "Bro, are you sure that's fixed?" And the man says, "Yeah, yeah." Listen, I'm not. I'm not a plasterer, mm. a plumber, but they, I, but I know you. I know you. I know you fucked it. Mm. But man leaves, mm. and then I turn it on and it doesn't work. Mm. And I call him. Up, I said, "Listen, you need to come back. Mm. Uh, we need to schedule an appointment." And the cycle keeps going on and and if you're of a certain kind of mindset, mm. one you start going mad at people. Mm. But then you understand is that they're just doing their job, mm. right? Mm. So there's a, there's a level of a detachment from them because mm. this person clocks off and another mm. person picks up the phone. It's a mm. different person you're dealing mm. with now. Mm. So you think you're Ross. So I'm mm. part, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm in this kind of bureaucratic loop. Mm. And in terms of that too, I think it, it's a good point because I would have completely forgot to um, touch upon it is that when they do finally come round, they do in some cases make the job worse than it originally was. Um, and I've listen, yeah, my, my, I'll give you an example. Um, so obviously my house is in disrepair. Mm. I am still today suffering with disrepair, and this kicked off last year. Let's say um, they're meant to be coming next Friday. We'll see. Right. I I, I, I need to do sorry sorry like I, yeah. I need should we just go down there yeah. after the where's the um no. central I'm sure it's central London somewhere but yeah. I've been to I've done protests I've, I mean they're, 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 yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. they they know exactly what they're doing they put security out there and everything but um you went to the awards didn't you I did go to the awards Good. that was very very interesting Good. um in terms of the dish repair in my house currently um so. I had a new bathroom and new kitchen put in because it was just, I mean, I didn't have a bathroom or kitchen. Um, and that was put in, I'd say about, what month are we in now? We are in January. So I'd say about August, September time. Um, originally, like I said, the light was filled with water in the bathroom. So they had to replace and fix a seat, the, the roof. So they replaced and fixed the roof and redone the bathroom, repainted and whatnot. Month later now, um, my ceiling in my bathroom. I, I get out of the shower and notice, hold on, why is my ceiling wet? Second. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's 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 as a result of the um, ceiling not being fixed, the roof not being fixed properly, and now my tiles have even come away from the wall. The shower that they've put in doesn't actually work. Um, it's just things like this, and a lot of people, if they are just, I don't know why these housing associations don't realise actually that if they just come in and do the jobs properly, it will cost them a lot less. I mean, they're having to send people out multiple times. They're subcontractors. They know, Clarion know, because I've complained about their subcontractors. They are absolutely terrible, um, NG. Um, they're really, really bad. I'm- but I'm subcontractors across the board with housing associations and councils. And if you look into it, prop, like if you look deep into it, a lot of these subcontractors are employed by multiple councils, multiple the same contractors, multiple housing associations, and they are terrible across the board. Why is it? It's because, I, I mean, I, yeah. And I, I mean, I study business. I mean, mm. they're probably the cheapest. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tender process. Yeah. It's a tender process. Yeah, yeah. and they want to save money. They're going to employ... The, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that's the reason behind it, but that's what I'm thinking in my head. Um, but a lot of the times, the jobs that they do are even worse than what it was that they were supposed to come yeah. and fix. Sometimes they show up to fix a job that wasn't even complained about. Like, this is it. You you go there and they'll say, "I've come to fix this." And you're like, "Yeah." It's like, "No, bro." I said, "Like, you've come to do the pipe." And he's yeah. like, 
no one told me. Yeah. And then it's another phone call. And I, I was there, like, this happened last year. Mm. My man came to do something mm. and he said to me, listen, I'm go- I'll be back in two minutes. Mm. I was sitting in the house. He left. Mm. <gasps> he left. Mm. I said... I said that's that's it that's a, that's a, that's like a roadman movie. Yeah. He said to me, I'll be two minutes. Yeah. And just <laughs> and, and then and I called him. I gave, yeah. He gave me his number. Mm. I called his phone. I said, Where are you, bro? He goes, I've gone home. I said, Bro, like it's different. And all he did, did again, is he was trying to fix a whole unit. Mm. He saw a problem mm. and he just thought, fuck it. Mm. And mm. I'm like, Bro, this is but this is where I live. This is my home. Yeah, this is where I live. Yeah, you get me. And but it's that kind of like you said, it's a disrespect. Mm. But I get it because you listen. Is it for him? It's a job. Mm. It's a job, man. Mm. But also, they're part of like not to individual like the, the sub, these subtractors sound terrible. Mm. But in sort of moving away from the individualized well, aspect of it mm. and thinking about the structure and it's a cultural thing. Mm. Like mm. as a society, mm. sponsored by the government, sponsored by the media, we have a complete disrespect and disregard for the well-being of mm. people that live in social housing and mm. I have always done. Yeah, I think it's a it's an issue and I had this, there was a piece out um, a few months ago discussing racism and classism within social housing and there's a huge issue of classism within social housing. You have people at the bottom and you have people at the top. It's completely black and white mm. and there's a complete disregard for those at the bottom. Why? Because they're voiceless. Um, they're, they're treated as though they're deserving sort of, of being poor y- yeah, yeah exactly you're lucky like you're looked down upon and these are some of the most going around the states because i've been like i said around multiple estates and spoken to hundreds if not thousands of tenants these are some, the, the tenants that i come across are some of the most hard-working people in the country people th- think i don't and I, I i said it before um there's this there's this stereotype of and i use i, I like use it as an example um benefit street mm. for example the show people have used that stereotype as social housing tenants i feel yeah, no. across the board and country i've met people that are senior doctors nurses teachers um cleaners you have solicitors you have people of all different sort of jobs yeah. and yeah. occupations but they happen to live in social housing and this negative stereotype and classism i think is a huge issue which isn't addressed and they I think you look at the people that work in these councils and housing associations and you look at their directors boards and you look at them and you think, have you ever lived in social housing? I can guarantee they will turn around and say, no, they haven't. But they receive £400,000 per year. They receive all this money per year. But they are not able to relate to what it's like living in social housing, what it's like living in disrepair. These They see these pictures and whatnot. But they get to go home at the end of the day to their houses. And once they clock off or whatnot, that's it. That's their job done. They see it as work. They don't see it as people's lives that it is that they're dealing with. And that's that's a huge... It's a, I think it's very, very dangerous because that's when people become neglected. People become ill. People's lives get destroyed. And it hasn't happened in the last year. This has been going on for absolute decades, but it's just not been a priority, not been talked about. And for me it's shocking that it's only coming up now when it's been going on for so long Mm. yes i know it's got really bad now um but it's always been really bad it's just not been highlighted this is the thing and this is the most consistent thing the universal is it's always been bad Mm. it's always been Mm. bad so some of the literature kind of refers to like after 1945 council houses were seen as 
something to be proud of. Mm. So if you look at if you look at some of the kind of press releases, people are proud to live in a council state. Mm. Our listeners probably correct me, but from the seventies onwards, there's a kind of shift mm. in how the government starts funding these things. Mm. There's an underfunding of mm. these things, and by the eighties, council stocks being bought up by private investors, right? Mm. And you see a level of disrepair coming in. Mm. And speaking of my personal experience now mm. structurally i see my flat changing from like the mid 80s to the 90s mm. there's lack of money coming in and this you can see the disrepair mm. and I, I don't really ascribe to the broken window theory whereas if you see a, um how can i describe it if, if it likes for example if it's if there's a broken door mm. and because that broken door doesn't get fixed mm. and social behavior it starts happening mm. but i don't ascribe to that but once i start seeing this level of disrepair mm. i see the council's not paying that much. They're not coming to the estate as often. Mm. So there's things like rubbish. Rubbish mm. is not being collected. Mm. And once once that happens, it's a madness. Mm. That's when rats start coming and it, it just kind of snowballs. Mm. And you start seeing this thing, you think, oh, I started getting embarrassed bringing people back to my place, man, because it, I mean. it just looked mad. When we get representations of London in the media, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily show like what the reality is for the mm. working classes living here. And I think... What, again, like one of the reasons why we've created this series is to show how we can create multi-class alliances around housing, which is regionally, city, like solidarity infused. What I mean by that is there is often this perception of London. This is just full of like metropolitan elite rich people. You know what the matter is? See the trick? See what they trick they pull culturally? Culturally, when you sh- when they show poverty, housing poverty in London, mm. they show it in two ways culturally on TV. Mm. It's either 19th century Dickensian. Yeah. So it, it's like with the Nazi thing, it's in the past, so it doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. Or it's wrapped about it. So yeah. it belongs to this part, this certain community. Mm. This it's demographic. Not, it's, people, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's wrapped about. And it, so when they do show it in that way, it's cast as cool. Yeah. Mm. And it produces a certain type of person that has this creative energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it doesn't show the true extent and horror of living mm. somewhere like that De- definitely and i mean just anecdotally like listeners will know like i'm from the west midlands and when like if i go back home and like talk to people obviously like i'm i don't live in social housing and i'm middle class but if i talk to people from um where i grew up they have such a perception of london that it just does not align mm. with the fact that we have loads of social housing and mm. loads of working class people and people that are living in conditions that are inhumane like they see it mm. as like what you were just talking about t and it's just really important that we keep like having people like quajo and having others that are just like pushing against this notion that london is somehow like separate from from the other working classes across the uk and like Mm. trying to create more mobilization around Mm. these matters so people would say they would argue you're lucky to have a house. Oh, that's the term that I. It's, uh, it's that that term Who the there. Who says that? Listen, Send them to me. Social housing. Social housing. Yeah, you're lucky. To you're be lucky. In social. To the amount of times I've he- I've heard that because it's state provided. Yeah. They said it to you. I've heard it so many times. Yeah, of course, other tenants. It. Yeah. Of course, they say you're lucky to have a house, mm. and your rent's cheaper. This and yeah, your oh, rent's cheaper. You're lucky to be. In you're lucky, housing. like you don't pay, you don't you don't have to pay in a mortgage. Mm. You don't have to do all the things that they kind of argue against, but. So I guess what they're trying to argue is they're trying to compare the UK to other places that don't have social uh, social mm. systems in place. Mm. And on that kind of broad sweep, you, mm. could, you could make that argument. Mm. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about here right mm. now. Mm. And we're talking it, about cockroaches. Co- yeah. We're talking about damp. Mice. We're talking about mm. mice. And I don't think people ever... My friend, his flat got infested with cockroaches. Mm. And I don't think anyone's 
you, when you see an infestation of cockroaches, it's a madness. Mm. And it was coming up. So the flats that we're talking about in this particular instance, you know the um, rubbish chute? Yes. They come up the rubbish chute because yeah. it's in the, in the central yeah. of the building. Yeah. So I went downstairs, they took us to the basement. And if you open it, it, it was something like, like aliens. It's the maddest thing to see. And it, once you have infestations, it's impossible. It doesn't matter yeah. what they do. They'd yeah. always, they always come. And at the mm. time, my friend had a, his mum had a baby. So the cockroaches, are in the, they're in the pram. They're in the cot, man. Mm. It was a madness. Mm. I'm, yeah, I've, cockroaches. <laughs> like, I remember yeah. tweeting the pictures of the cockroaches in my house because they were actually coming out from the walls yeah. um, in my house. And I even learned that there were German cockroaches. Um, <laughs> but, but they were, yeah. And apparently they carry their eggs on their back. Yeah. And they just lay them ah! absolutely everywhere. And you, So when you kill them, yeah. the eggs just go everywhere. Yeah, so that, you have, you have yeah. to leave them. Yeah. That's what the man said to me. You have to leave them. Yeah. I'm like... It's a, it's a nice there was people saying they did, didn't even know cockroaches um, existed here. They obviously they watch I'm a celebrity get me out of here. Um, they said they didn't even know in the UK cockroaches exist, and they said, "Yeah, I didn't either <laughs> for a very long time." And I saw loads one day. Um, um, something that um, Pedro touched on earlier that I just kind of want to like end the show on because I think it's current and it's important. It's something that we've tried to talk about sensitively, but I think Pedro actually has done it better than what we've been able to do over the past sort of two years but thinking about um class housing and the lockdown yeah i have i am sympathetic and empathetic to those that want lockdown particularly thinking about um yeah. vulnerable people of course yeah however i really feel like we need a dialect on the left that considers vulnerability but also makes clear how von how how you said you said it you said it exactly this Kaijo. the most vulnerable people mm. in society live in this housing mm. do you want to lock them in this housing but it's also the the assumption that everyone's okay mm. like what annoyed me is that at the start of the uh, start of lockdown mm. was it 2019 2020 2020 sorry 2020 sorry we keep saying 2020 yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's like, for example, the celebrities that will come on and say how bad they've had it in their massive mansions. Mm. And off. and that, mm. that to me, was it, it's disgusting mm. because you've got acres of space. Mm. And my man said, I'm going mad in my house. Mm. Like, listen, you, you come in. Try you, one bedroom it, with seven it, people in exactly. it. Exactly. One you, bedroom flat and a tower block with seven people in it. Try that. Listen, and the stuff that you're breathing, asbestos, yeah. madness. Mm -hmm. And you have these celebrities coming and they're saying, and they're feeling bad, follow me, follow me. Mm. Dickhead. Yeah, yeah. Dickhead. It's, oh, yeah, it's, we, we, we decided to abolish celebrity yeah, in 2020. Celebrity, mm -hmm. these people are dead. Um, and yeah. and, they're, and they're, they've got gardens. Listen, my man, listen, I didn't have a garden. Well, essentially, I still don't have a garden. I've never had a garden in my life, mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. It's, it's only when I go to other people's houses, I say, right, you've got a garden. Mm. And like, it's a madness, right? Mm. You never have a garden. Mm. But people don't you know, think of those things. Or say you're, tra yeah. Yeah, you're trapped on the fourth floor or mm. trapped on the seventh floor. Mm. Madness. So, I mean, I think even talking about celebrities, but also politicians and members of government, um, mm. MPs, councillors that have never lived in social housing, um, probably said the same thing during, um, during, during lockdowns. And you, you don't realise, and they don't realise, I mean... Is it? I think it's a very... I don't know if it's ignorance or naivety, but when I hear those sorts of things i'm like if only you knew um, I know, on it, do you know what i think you're right i think it's a combination of ignorance naivety and they don't care yeah like it's like a it's like a pyramid yeah. because actually like when i'm trying to have nuanced conversations even with 
my people on the left mm. about what the lo- the consequences of the lockdown for the most vulnerable people and mm. marginalised people in society, like they still don't actually understand what it's like to live no. in poverty. It's not, but no. And like, it, it, but they don't want to understand no. because they don't want to imagine themselves in that position. But I think, so like most existential issues, where do you start? Right, so you, so mm. once if you're talking about where do you start? Where yeah. do you start? So mm. once you talk about housing, that leads on to the issue of poverty, right? Mm. Essentially, it's poverty, which is such a big concept. Mm. How do we? How do you? Where do you start to tackle it? Mm. So when people hear about it, it's like most things. We know it exists, but you choose to ignore it because mm. it's so big. Mm. And like that's why I'm saying a young man like yourself taking mm. a stand mm. and doing what you're doing, like draw a line in the sand and, and tackle because these forces are big. <laughs> yeah. So you're taking on a corporate, well, a housing association mm. that's linked to government. Mm. So now you're you're going to start, so in the pre-chat, you started talking about, you're talking to someone done, who done a report and you're chasing them up? Yeah, so the regulators, oh, yeah. I've been in contact, I mean, their government level. Um, I've complained to them multiple times. And with me, I've learned that I don't take no for an answer, really. Well, listen, actually, one of our listeners, oh, Richard, your boa, has been on, he's been on the show <laughs> you know before. What? Richard you know is a civil I servant. I forgot his name. I forgot his name. Works <laughs> in housing for Hackney. Richard, are you listening? Come, come, come back on the show and see the great show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, Richard, I, we do love you really, but equally, like, it's one of the ones. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I wanted to take it to the top. I mean, mm. I wanted to speak to the people at the top, complain to the people at the top, know that I've complained to the people at the top, and on behalf of social housing tenants. So that's why I went to the regulators, in my case, on behalf of my estate and a few mm. other states in Merton. And I wrote to them and I didn't get the response back that I wanted to hear. Um, and I think a lot of social housing tenants, especially in my area, were very, very disappointed to find out how that investigation went along, um, and it was in the media. Um, and it, the bottom line was there was nothing that they could do, could do, um, is what they, they said. I had to go to the ombudsman. I've been to the ombudsman completely, I'm going to say, useless, as other social housing tenants would, even now, mm. um, it's the, state, it. it's the state investigating the state. It's capitalism yeah, investigating yeah, capitalism. Yeah. It's, 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 so, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. They're investigating each other. Yeah. And the response you get is always inadequate. Like, yeah. So I remember reading some of the press reports on what Clarion said. They yeah. said, that we just dropped the ball. Mm. But if they're... Vis- on Eastfield. Yeah, on Eastfield. Eastfield they said they, they dropped said. the ball, right? But there's a consistent theme. There's, there have been people talking to you consistently mm. about neglect, right? Mm. Not just yourself, mm. other, other tenants. Mm. So how can you drop the ball over a period of years? Yeah. So it's willful neglect. Mm. How can people support the work you're doing? How can people support the work that I'm doing? Um, one, I just really want the conversation to continue going. I don't want it to mm-hmm. stop and be brushed under the carpet. I feel like now change can come, change will come. I think um, it would be be great. I mean, pe- I mean, that's. I have to be so thankful, and I'm gonna quickly just give a shout out to yeah, everyone please, on social media that um, supports me and that retweets because without them, that first no one would have seen that first post, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be here, sat here today, talking about poor social housing. Um, the people that have supported me um, continue to support me. Shout out Sarah. I'm going to shout out Sarah, who's been big up um, Sarah. Big up Sarah. She's been <laughs> absolutely amazing and gone above and beyond what it is to be a journalist or my perception of what a journalist mm-hmm. was and is now someone that I consider a, a, a good friend. Um, I just think, like she said in the past, this conversation needs to happen. 
people need to talk about it. Media, I know ITV are, do, are doing an absolutely amazing job with keeping it going and starting it mm-hmm. off. Um, Daniel Hewitt and his um, team, and I think they will definitely continue that. And whilst that's happening, I want people to go around and speak to um, their neighbours if they live on an estate, even if they don't, even if they're not from that sort of class or background, talk about it because at the end of the day, it's it's wrong. I think now 2022, 2021 was about exposing the situation and I'm going to continue. I'm, I'm not... Tenants are my number one priority and if I can help individ, individual cases, then I will by exposing the conditions that they're having to live in. But 2022, for me, is where I want change to come. I think change... Um, fundamentally is going to come from the government. I think pressure needs to be directed at that now because... But the change comes from below of us telling them they have to, though. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. And if enough people scream about it, I'm just one person. I'm just one person off an estate in Merton. um, And I've managed to speak to so many people. And if there's enough pressure and enough people talking about about it it will then become a priority and something that they have to fix um they're not able to relate to it but there are millions of people across the uk living in social housing and a lot of them are tired exhausted of trying to fight for themselves and being knocked back and being ignored especially like i was so if other people can help them then that that's my my goal is to get to get change and give them give tenants more power give residents associations more power and fix it is a national crisis it's not just in london it is across the country and it's one of the biggest of my generation and a lot of people's generation and it's been going on for generations and my goal now is to to get a solution and get answers and like i said in the past and i'm very very determined um i won't stop until there is change and i'll do my little bit on the side and um, try and rally as many people to get that for social housing tenants because like we said it's a human right people deserve to live in safe housing good housing housing that they're paying rent for let's not yeah. forget every single month and um, have dignity as well and have and have dignity along along with it because yeah they're not at the moment <laughs> Kaja, i just want to say as well like any sociologists um or academics that teach on race class mm. inequality and in housing bring Quajo in as a guest lecturer to come mm. and speak to your undergrad and pay him he's not getting paid to do any of this <laughs> activist work pay him to come and talk to your um, yeah, yeah. students because this is sociology at mm. the forefront this is through and through so bring him in mm. message us if you want his details and we'll, we'll hook you up Sorry, I, just, I didn't even ask you. I didn't no, even ask him. I didn't even ask him if he's happy to do that. Honestly, I just want to get him. I'm, I'm, 5%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. George, George just said he wants 5%, which yeah. is not happening. <laughs> well, do you know what? Hope, uh, hopefully, if I don't show up at any universities, I'm actually good in front of the lectures because it would be mean if I last five minutes. Quite Joe, you, are ap- you are brilliant yeah. and you know what, you know what yeah. you're talking about. I yeah. want to continue the conversation going, so I'll do whatever it is that I have to in order to do that because like I said the main goal is to get change and it will come eventually if you, if you annoy them enough like I have been you will get change T's getting T's doing his old man T's doing his old man I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to say we're keeping the hope we're keeping the hope we will get it we will listeners thank you so much for joining us Kwajo it's been absolutely amazing it's been good man thank you man it's been good thank you for listening to the housing series Thank you for listening to the housing series with Surviving Society. You can now continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. If you enjoy the podcast, please support us via Patreon 